0: And the raspiness is just because I killed myself on the treadmill, so we'll have to deal with that.
1: Well, the smoker's cough, cigars. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's how I
0: train: is that I smoke while I'm running, and then that way, when I go to race time, I just don't, and then I can breathe. All of a sudden, damn it's
1: man, crazy. that's that's hardcore. <laughs> you might be you might be onto something there.
0: <laughs> Check that out in the next edition of Runner's World. Thanks, <laughs> courtesy of yours truly here. On on the topic of feedback. I know we don't have a crazy abundance of time here, but I just got some feedback from our number one listener, Simon, right now, live on the show. He doesn't even know we're recording right now. He said, loving the podcast, listening to the latest episode. Well, yeah, that is the latest episode. At the 48 minute, 20 second mark, you have to tell Kyle that across with a T is not a word. It's a cross,
1: No T. Oh, man, I'm getting grammatical critique now.
0: The English man of which I originate cringes. And thanks for the shout out in episode 10.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Like, I have to work on my speech and now I have to work on my...
0: Fucking shit. The fuck... First it was the fucking ums and now it's the... Oh, this is getting way too complicated. (laughs) And I'm supposed to listen to what you're saying so I can say something. Oh, it's just like becoming way too complicated here, Kyle.
1: I agree. I don't know that I can handle and pull all this together. Mother The demands of our listeners, god damn it.
0: At first, it just started out, we were just going to say some shit, and we didn't even care if it was five, ten minutes. We thought maybe we'll do a 25, 30-minute podcast. Now it,
1: it's got to be. <laughs> now we've got an hour, and we haven't even gotten to our primary topic. <laughs> good you just you just you're excited to get talking
0: yeah well I'll tell you what I wasn't excited to get talking uh 30 minutes ago I I've just been very, this week's been a stressful week for me on a number of fronts but I'm not gonna whine about it but yeah I was I was struggling a bit earlier just because I've got a lot to do in a short amount of time I'm driving up to Sacramento tomorrow for an impromptu meeting with the team up there and I um, was trying to prepare for some stuff and have a few other things going on. And so like I don't know why I forget this, but I used to always just take it out on the trail back in the day, right? Like whenever well, I ran semi, I ran in college. Uh, I think I mentioned that in a previous episode, but I ran for a few years at the collegiate level, uh, NCAA, Division One running. And so uh, I used to go out for a lot of long miles all the time, and it was a good way to clear the mind, not to mention I could drink a 12-pack of beer on a Friday night and nothing would happen, but, uh, so yeah, so anyway, I'm rambling, but I went on the treadmill and I didn't have a lot of time, so I I went out and just ran a fast two-mile for me, which is really slow now, but I went out there and just cranked it out, and now I can barely talk, so. (laughs) 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 Woo! It's a good tool for, for stress relief and the problem with it for me, and I think this is probably more common, is that when I need it, I don't want to do it. So this was a rarity for me when I said, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway, even though I don't want to and, oh, I don't have a lot of time. I just don't think I could have showed up in a meaningful way on the show if I didn't burn off some steam. So threw on my Metallica playlist and some ACDC and Pantera later, feeling re- born again man ready to do it
1: excellent speaking of uh doing some work today i uh have you ever had one of these scenarios where you do a whole bunch of shit you think it's pretty amazing you you know you think you've done something pretty pretty uh pretty monumental achievement and then it gets deployed and suddenly it gets ripped back out or somebody finds a major fault with it that you weren't weren't anticipating or weren't aware of (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry that happened today. <laughs> just a couple times. Oh, uh, just once. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had to re- effectively replace an entire feature that I had uh, deployed and thought would give you know give like a 300 impre- uh, percent speed performance improvement. Wow! But it was just a dumbass oversight on my part. I misunderstood a little bit of how something worked, and because of that poor assumption, the whole thing was kind of half-baked from the beginning, unfortunately. Luckily for me, I don't work in an area that is an easy way for the company to lose a lot of money. (laughs) So the problem itself, although it caused um, certain people maybe some frustration, it it didn't necessarily lose tons of dollars and cents, at least not visibly.
0: That's not uncommon. Well, we do work at the same place, so that's probably not a coincidence. But I was... Part of my frustration was boiling over from last week and a similar thing, but it was a little different where we had one side of the team had discussed a feature that we wanted to release quickly, and so we put a lot of effort towards it to the tune of a few weeks. A good sprint worth of work, and then when the other team found out about it, they had a different understanding, and so we had to rip it out, Mm. and then we ripped it out and then after some more business discussions, they decided to put it back in, so we
1: had to put it back in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat, I think. The the problem is fixable, luckily. I, it, effectively, what I did is, because I built it with interfaces and so forth, I was able to just take and implement a new interface that's effectively a no-operation interface, and I'll just come back around and tackle it the correct way this time. So it it isn't the end of the world, but it was frustrating that that something that... Something so simple that I kind of had made an assumption on uh, was an incorrect assumption, and that was frustrating to me today.
0: Yeah, Well that's understandable. That's, I would say I spend way too much time developing stuff that isn't, how do I say, like it's more, we operate on the fly a lot more, and I'm not saying that was entirely the case there, but it sounds like maybe just because the requirements weren't crystal clear or the system wasn't clearly understood, that that's kind of the side effect of what happens, right? We get down a path and realize new information is discovered and, oh boy, now we got to backtrack or rip out or redo. And
1: Yeah, I think that was the case here. Just a, a misunderstanding of one component led to kind of the whole thing just being yeah. unusable, which is unfortunate, but I'll take care of it. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, in other news, something kind of cool, this hap- I, th- I know this has happened to you a number of times already, but uh, a buddy of mine actually reached out to me this week and was asking questions regarding what type of mics we use, what, t- what software we use, uh, and was interested in starting up possibly his own podcast dealing with kind of some stories and stuff like that. Now, that got me really excited because I was kind of thinking to myself, if this podcast goes nowhere else but a personal project for us to speak better and all those things that we've already talked about. It's already brought a number of people forward who want to do this type of thing, but maybe didn't have or didn't feel they could. And I think that's pretty exciting alone that it's kind of empowering other people to move forward with things that maybe they've wanted to do for a while. Yep.
0: I had that this week too. It was a different one. It was, uh, I didn't tell you about this, but I, when I put that video out last week, I, I heard from one of my high school classmates who shared a similar piece about how she had wanted to do a blog and um, was, I think if nothing else, like seeing us doing this was kind of a trigger to say, oh yeah, I still want to do that. I should do it. And I just reached back and said, hey, like when you do it, send me the link. I want to listen to it or I want to read it. I want I want to check it out. And so I think that's pretty cool to see people talking about that and to hopefully taking some action on it get the fuck out there and do it people <laughs> put
1: some content out
0: <clears throat> distribute I was just listening to Gary V again talk about it today that people are, are too hung up on the art of the project and not enough on distribution you got to distribute Distrib- distribution should be just as much a priority as the the art of the content if you
1: will Right, what was his saying is just like publish before polish Polish. or something like that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very true. I think if you go back and listen to our early episodes, they are definitely not polished, and we published them anyway, so.
0: Yeah, I think if we would have waited to polish, we wouldn't be on number 12 right now. We would probably still be talking about number one and maybe on our third or fourth revision. (laughs) Yeah, re-recording it for the eighth time.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I'll tell you what, I'm guilty of this as well. I, I was talking about a possible project that I was interested in, more of a personal project uh, that I'd like to do this year. And I—that's a that was more of a vlog, blog kind of a thing. I think I'd like to do both, have some articles and then do some video blogging. And we've made some pretty serious changes to the lighting and and you've helped me a lot get my, my video looking better. And so I'm pretty sure I'm not going to publish the first one.
1: <laughs> See, I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm guilty of the same shit that I'm preaching, but um, but that's what happens when you get hung up on it. I should have just published it then before I knew any better and then I could say, oh, well, I've learned a few things and now I'm going to make it better.
1: Yeah, I think, well, and I think you've had very rapid improvement, obviously. I mean, that that video was only made two weeks ago or something like that, and you've already improved yeah. so much to the point where you don't even want to publish the first one, so pretty rapid increase, and I think that's probably pretty par for the course, especially early on, and then I think things kind of level out as you get things figured out and organized and so forth. I think that's right. All right, uh, follow-up and show news. We already talked about garbled audio a little bit here. We're moving to Skype, or this, this episode is being recorded on Skype, so... Hopefully, uh, barring any kind of audio clipping, we have some pretty solid audio here that we can use uh, without any garbling, which should be, there shouldn't be any of that considering it's not going out over the wire like it was before.
0: Well, technically, we're not recording on Skype. We're just listening to each other.
1: That's right. Skype is just the connectivity between the two of us, and then we're recording directly off our mics uh, on each computer.
0: I don't know if I'm repeating myself already, but that I mentioned too, I'm doing this from my new XPS 13.
1: I don't believe you did say that. Uh, Are you doing it from the Windows side or the Mac side?
0: Definitely Windows side. I don't think the Mac side has been tweaked enough for that to be good enough, but maybe in a future episode. There you go. Yeah.
1: So one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I kind of did a little bit of thinking about this uh, over the week here, is... What really is the Coffee Codecast? What is this show, actually? Um, It started out, obviously, as our project to speak and all those things that we've talked about a million times. And initially, obviously, we kind of featured it around technology and technology products and those sorts of things, and we still do. Uh, Another thing I think that we throw in there a lot is personal projects or personal aspirations or in this case, I wrote down personal development stories. So I was just kind of looking to see what you felt. Like, what is what is the Coffee Codecast? Because even though it has the word code in it, I mean, again, that's kind of an homage to our early roots to, to this thing, is that that was what we would do when we would go meet up in the coffee shops and those sorts of things. So the lack of code in this doesn't bother me so much. But I don't feel like we really have a good grasp on what it is this show is. And I to me, I guess if I was to distill it down to two things, I would say technology and personal development.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. I I think that the question for me is if we're it depends on the the goal. I think that from a marketing point of view it's somewhat misleading to say coffee and code. I think it's a detractor for some people, like for people that maybe would see that and be intimidated or uninterested because maybe they're not interested at that level. And it sounds very technical because I don't think we really are. I think we can get into the weeds a little bit on the show, but for the most part, it's very lighthearted and it's more high level tech happenings. I agree with you. It's, it's tech related and it is personal development. We talk about, software development but we also are talking about our own personal development as well so i think there's a bit of a disconnect for me what i'm trying to say there is like the the branding is somewhat disconnected i think from what the show actually is and we don't talk about coffee really We sometimes i drink it
1: but i haven't in a while on the show <laughs> right i mean we do when we get some beans from our listeners or something like that but beyond that yeah we don't we don't talk about it a lot i agree and maybe that's something we'll have to address but i guess What I was trying to get at here is that I think what these first, what, 11 shows or have shown is that I think the things that we're probably the most passionate about or like talking about the most are probably technology-related, whatever that may be. I think that's a pretty broad category, but technology and I think personal development stories, whether it be what we want to get better at or what we think is applicable to other folks in the tech area that can help them develop or, you know, those sorts of things. I think those are the things clearly that are interesting to us. Cause that's what we keep talking about.
0: I think it's, I think it's relevant because we're talking that other piece is talking about our experience and there's some, it's less factual. It's more about our trials and tribulations, if you will. I think it's more vulnerable. And I think that that's where we've reached people that's what's been exciting about it for me like I haven't had a lot of feedback saying well there's been some feedback saying like oh hey like I'm interested in this computer now because you guys talked about it or I want to get that product because it sounds interesting like there's some of that but it's more rewarding for me when I have those conversations with people online or in person that are like yeah I really want to do the same thing that you're doing or I've talked about it and put it off but I really want to get back at it again and and I, I think that because of the personal dimension, we're able to have those types of conversations. And I think that's really the substance to show. the show. The other stuff is that uh, keeps you listening too, but I, I like having the personal side. I think that's almost more important.
1: I think I would agree with that. And I think it's inspiring like we talked about earlier, when somebody messages you or gives gives you a post on Facebook or whatever it may be that says, Hey, I want to do that. Like you said, or, Hey, I'm going to get started back into doing that or whatever the case may be. I think that's something that's very inspiring and it gets me pumped up to do more of these. Let's move on to some feedback, shall we? We got a lot of feedback this week. Good feedback this week. Yep. Yep. I like it. So, uh, I'll just start off here. Uh, Dave on Facebook writes, uh, Coffee Code Cast, here's all you need to use Philips Hue insert bulbs. Sorry. Philips Hue inset bulbs in your ceiling. Converts A24 two-prong into standard screw-in sockets. Uh, and he links to an Amazon product, uh, which is just a, a conversion to from, um, what is it, GU-24 to a standard kind of what you would think of an incandescent bulb socket. I had found these, as a matter of fact, already and i poten- i thought about using them however in my particular scenario these were can lights that were in the ceiling they were recessed so even that i don't know maybe they were an inch inch and a half of height or something like that that it would add it would make the can lights stick out further already than they already were so that was kind of a non-starter for me because it looked really really goofy but I was aware of that product, and uh, yeah, if anybody else has that particular problem, there is an adapter available for that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that Dave put that out there because uh, it's, it's an odd fixture, but it's something that's becoming more common, I think, in because of uh, lead certification energy efficiency standards. Because that's typically what you're seeing in some of those new, new cans in the new construction, right? Is it not like those LED bulbs that have that, that two-prong adapter?
1: I think yeah. I think the reasoning for it is that you can't you can't you physically can't unless you put an adapter, put a, a inefficient bulb in those sockets.
0: One of those old incandescents, right? Or the uh, the uh, Edison style bulbs that are <laughs> really cool looking that just suck your energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love the the Edison bulb.
1: They do look cool. I definitely agree. They and they put off a a nice a nice quality of light and they're very like a nice nice ambiance, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, Dave, Dave had a lot to say this week. I was super stoked uh, hearing from him, especially on the, the design front. He had another comment uh, as well about our design, uh, our dev toolbox roundup for design front end and had some new insights for me. I suspected that Photoshop was probably a, a, an outdated tool and he confirmed that for us.
1: Obviously, he's more of a designer than we are, or has a lot more design experience than we do. Because <laughs> uh, what do you say? Five years ago, Photoshop has been dead for five years in terms of designer, uh, as far as designers go. So clearly, yeah. That's...
0: Dave's a uh, Dave's a UX guy. He's he's well, he's he's worked for a lot of different companies, but he he was at Amazon for a stint, and then had been more recently in the like sports arena some pretty big players in, in sports, uh, websites, sports news, that sort of thing.
1: Okay. He, uh, he, he puts a pretty big shout out to sketch in there, which we kind of glazed over pretty quickly. Cause I don't think either of us really had a ton of experience with it. Uh, mentioned that that's, that's been one of the bigger helpful tools in his toolkit.
0: It's changed a lot. Like that's the one thing I'll say is that this is what's scary about being in the full stack and not being in all of it all the time, because we, we talk about this where we're focusing on a project for three to six months, maybe in the middle tier or the back end or a hybrid of, of those working on APIs, for example. And then there's, we don't have a lot of new front end projects. And so time goes by and, and the, for, like, honestly, a lot of these tools I hadn't even heard of sketch I haven't used before. I, I'm starting a new project mobile app project it's a react native project it's more of a um, side project i'm working on and so i'm using figma for that and so i spent about a week you know nights and weekends with it not a full week but maybe 10 hours or so um doing some prototyping uh for for an iphone app and that was really cool but that was the first time i had used figma And then I looked at Zeppelin, which Dave recommended and spoke pretty highly of, and I saw their website and I thought, damn, that's even cooler. I want to check that one out too. So there's a lot of new tools for me. If you've been in full stack or been, but haven't been up on the latest, particularly, I think, mobile development and uh, that's where a lot of these tools shine too, but it's certainly for web front-end development. It's worth taking some time to check these things out because it's a lot different than the way we used to do things.
1: Yeah, I think UI design and Uh, both desktop and mobile, like you said, uh, has been and is a highly volatile industry at this, you know, at this point in time, it's like you said, it changes really, really rapidly, even from the time that you got out of the business for a few years, what was that five years, maybe something like that, and then got back in like you, I remember you being very lost with the technologies that had, had transpired during that time.
0: Oh, huge. Even that time, just for that stint, it went from pretty traditional CSS and cross-browser support and shims, which that never really has gone away. But we didn't have some of the handier tools like Lesson Sass compilation at that time. They're very new, very early on. And the, the browser support still wasn't as what it is today. So that was a big jump. And this time, I don't even think it's been that long. It's been a few years. And it's evolved again. It's it, it's it's exponential. It just keeps the changes keep happening more quickly, shorter time frame.
1: Yep. And now you have frameworks upon frameworks upon frameworks, and the framework of the the day. And you have mobile involved now as well that you can develop using kind of traditional desktop. I guess what you might have thought of as desktop technologies back in the day. So it, yeah, your toolkit is expanding ever larger, and and what you need to know expands. Uh, just as rapidly which doesn't seem to be the case quite as much for back-end coders i mean that's still pretty traditional you do get some features here and there through kind of some of the cloud providers and maybe the new maybe frameworks come out with new additions and that sort of thing but generally speaking they're kind of doing all the same things that they've always done maybe so it yeah it's definitely evolving quickly on the front end
0: I have a comment about that, but I don't think we want to take up a bunch of time with it right now. But I don't know. I want to throw it out there. And then maybe you can slice it and dice it. Do it. Do it. Well, it's on that note. Because of the rapid changes that happen and what you just described, I have a very strong opinion and I'd like you to shoot it down. And maybe it would be easy. Maybe you already feel like don't feel this way. But what is your take on using like rapid application development tools or shortcuts, or I don't even know how the hell you like would classify it. Um, IntelliSense, like that sort of thing. I'm kind of setting, I'm kind of baiting you. So let me just like throw my two cents out there and then we can talk about it. I think because of all of the layers on layers, like I tend to be more purist and I'm doing this React Native project. That's fine. I'm not saying that it has to be done in vanilla JavaScript, but I don't want the editor to fill in all the blanks for me. Like I want to type it out. I want to know what the commands are. I don't want to lean on, on an editor to do that. I'll tell you another example. When I started using Git and I switched from SVN to Git, I made a conscious decision. I remember you gave me some shit about this. Actually, this is good. This will be a good conversation. About going command line and I I'd started the command line. I've been using it now for a little over two years and it's really my skill has grown tremendously with, with Git and doing things in Git that like other people don't know how to do in the command line will ask me, hey, how do you do this or how do you handle this scenario? And to me, I, I feel like getting closer to the raw metal is where I want to be. I don't want to be writing code in assembly, so I don't want to take it to an extreme but I do think that there's value in not having all these tools do it for you, like being so far removed now that you don't really know what the hell's going on. And so I don't know. That's kind of what my thought was.
1: Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, let's start on the Git topic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to start in that whole question. So let's start with the Git topic.
0: Do you want me to redo it or rephrase it? I mean, or we can, I don't.
1: No, I like it. I think it's good. I think it's a good, uh, a good subject. And even if we chop it out, it'd be a good subject for another show and we can just shorten up our recording time. So yeah. let's start with the Git topic. So Git, uh, I was actually the one that led the charge to use Git at the company that we're at currently. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time I advised most folks to use a GUI for their Git, uh, git work uh, primarily just for ease of use um yep. coming from svn git is a, a different paradigm and it was very hard for people to understand let alone uh comprehend what kind of command line commands that they would have to enter in i didn't even want to have to start dealing with that so i recommended source tree at the time uh, i still use source tree to this day uh and the reason okay. and the reason behind that is primarily just because i can do shit faster <laughs> uh I still know how to use a lot of the Git commands. I wouldn't say I'm any kind of expert. I'm sure you could probably run circles around me in terms of Git commands, but I do know the primary Git commands when needed, or I have a cheat sheet on my desk if I need it. I mean, I'm not afraid of Git command line. I just feel that it's pretty inefficient for my workflow.
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm interested in talking about a little bit more, is that to me I feel less restricted using an ID sometimes.
1: I I mean, I would agree with that. I think there's more power in the command. Actually, I know there's more power in the command line. The problem for me comes in there is that even though the power is available, I don't tend to need to use those powerful functions for everyday committing and updating and fetching and those sorts of operations that you do on a day-to-day basis. Like it's one click and I'm done, or it's just enter my text in and I'm done. Mm -hmm. You know, or if I want to stage all my files, I can just, or stage one, let's even say stage one file, for instance, is a good example. If I want to stage one file out of a set of 15, all I have to do is select that file and say stage. If I have to go to git command line, I have to type that whole fucking file name in. And if you have a deep folder structure, that sucks balls.
0: Well, you don't have to type it all in though. That's the thing. Oh, you just have to hit tab
1: 15 times. Yes. Bullshit.
0: Well, but that's I think I think that's a legitimate part of the debate though is that I think if you are proficient in both that the time difference is probably negligible.
1: It might be. It's more just an annoyance for me. Like I don't I would rather be doing the things that are important, which would be writing code than managing my source control. Uh and if I can manage my source control in a quick way, something that's much much faster for me, then that's the route I'm going to take and then when I need to use power tools I'll jump back to the command line and execute commands that are necessary at that point. Well,
0: I think that's my what's my argument? My counterpoint is that I don't think you're you're saying that it's quicker that you want to focus on the problem and not the tool and I'm saying that if you're if you have a level of proficiency in the tool then I don't think there's much of a time difference.
1: I'm going to have to argue that. <laughs> i'm gonna say if i if i want if you I mean, if you put me up against if you put tree up against you in a git command line and you say here check in this one particular file i'm gonna make two clicks and it's gonna be done
0: that's one example I could find others that would be quicker possibly pulling fetching doing diffs
1: git pull the reference command to that is one click,
0: yeah, and for me it'd be g. f. a which is like I can do that as quick as a click.
1: Yeah, but see here now you're kind of compounding the problem here because you've you've got these other commands that are not the native git commands, so you've stacked something on top. Right?
0: Well I know what it is though. I know what the command is. I could type it out longhand.
1: So now yeah, but yeah, but I mean if you wanna compare, if you wanna say apples to apples, right, don't you have to compare commit- just straight up git command line to source tree?
0: No, no, I'm just comparing the tools. Like if you could do that and if you could find a way to create a macro in source tree, I I think that would be permissible. Gotcha. It's an it's a debate that doesn't have a right answer, right? But I do I I think it's this is a contentious. This is like a philosophical slash relig- we're getting into religion now on our <laughs> podcast.
1: I mean, it is for the command line guys. Command line guys, hold on to that like it's gold. And really, I don't give a fuck. Like I could switch to command line tomorrow and I would do it. I mean, I think it's less efficient for me, but I would do it. I don't care. It really doesn't matter. But I know command line guys are nerd out on that shit, and it's a very, very major thing to them.
0: I'll give you another example. Okay, so we're, we, we're going to have a stalemate here on the command line versus source tree debate versus the GUI, but I think another example comes down to writing code. Yeah, you can do some nice shortcuts. Like I've seen the guys on SQL Server Management Studio type in three letters and get a 20-line SQL statement auto-generated for them but give them a marker on a whiteboard or ask them to get in front of a computer and do a simple select statement on a table and they're going to scratch their head and say, well, I don't know how to do the right join or I don't know how to do a union or these things because I don't have my shortcut to get it done. And I have a problem with that.
1: Yeah, so here I will agree with you in this scenario. And here's why. I've been recently trying to sharpen some skills and and do some things that I've not really ever had to do in my career. And primarily that would be learning algorithms. Algorithms really aren't something that traditionally I've ever had to worry about. Those are kind of generally abstracted away and I've never had anything that had to be like so performant that I needed to know some magic algorithm to, to sort or, you know, search things super crazy efficient. So I've been learning those things, and, and, and to do that, you can use a number of different websites uh, that give you quizzes. Hacker Rank would be one of them. And as I go through those, I find myself constantly struggling with really simple things, like if you want to write out to the console, for instance, console.writeline, like I'll not capitalize one of the words or you know something to that effect something very very simple that in the IDE you would never notice or you would or you would notice immediately I guess because it would give you some notification of of a syntax error but when you have no helper it's uh, pretty it's pretty insane how quickly your confidence in your coding skill kind of crumbles but uh, yeah. at the same token I I know Many other languages don't have these things. You know, a lot of people write in Vim for fuck's sake, so they get no help of any kind.
0: Yeah, that's right. I, I edit in Vim. I don't really code in Vim because that would slow me down. <laughs> I just haven't been proficient enough. Like, I haven't had enough lunches at my desk with learn Vim and 24 lunches that are in the fuck it is. to, Or the interest. I, I, I like little snippets of things, but I haven't gone that far down the rabbit hole.
1: What I would say is I I have definitely played with the idea of dropping back to using, say, even Visual Studio Code, for instance, which is a, it's still an IDE, it still has some IntelliSense and some other fancy gizmos and gadgets, but even working in that as opposed to Visual Studio, which is obviously the big Microsoft IDE, is quite a step back um, and and makes you have to address things uh, quite a bit differently or think about things quite a bit more before you plunge into them because all the plumbing isn't magically there for you somehow.
0: That's right. Yeah. And, and I'll, and I'll give a third example around this that I think is a little different, but it's similar. Uh, The new laptop that I have here, when I got the XPS 13 set up, the first thought of mine was maybe I should just create an image so that, you know, magically I'll never have to like uninstall and reinstall and do all the configuring The way i want it like for example to get my git command line set up i have a repository that i fetch and i have to generate an rsa token to be able to um, get access to that repository from the command line and register it And, and there's a number of things right and i consciously made the choice not to image or try to capture all those steps automatically because i took an interesting course a year ago on coursera called learning how to learn and it's about The way that our brain works and the way that we store information and repetition, I mean, this is pretty commonly known. There's lots of other gems in the course that I recommend, but repetition is so crucial to learning, like to long-term memory storage. And so for that reason, I like doing a project maybe every three months where I'm rebuilding a machine, where I'm resetting up the IDE, going back in and downloading the repos. For me, it's making it more of a permanent memory thing instead of just saying, well, it's a task I could automate and I could save time. Like I'll probably spend a couple hours more doing it, but I'm gaining that long-term memory. And to me, that's valuable. Like I value that over my time because I'm going to be able to retain something.
1: Well, and I would say even the the amount of time saved by automating that for just one instance in other words, for just yourself as opposed to say a company or something like that is probably pretty negligible. like you've probably yeah you've probably put more time into creating the code that actually makes this thing automatically come up as an image than you did to set it up three times or something like that, right? So true. it probably doesn't break even for quite a while. And at that point, it probably is irrelevant, right? The Windows has moved on or Mac has moved on or something in the process has changed that it no longer works and now you have to debug it. So it's probably more of a pain in the ass, really, than it's worth. In, at least that would be my kind of 4,000-foot view.
0: Well, that's true. I think I think it's, a, it's kind of an edge case, silly example thing because it's not necessarily about time savings. It's really about, for me... That is the common thread with the examples, though. For me, it's more about repetition and getting more reps in doing the things that are important to learn, I think, is more valuable than finding shortcuts to solving a problem. Like We're always going to be solving a problem somewhere, and I think it's over the long haul, it's more valuable to have a foundational knowledge base that can translate across industries because, I mean... I. I've jumped industries many times. I'll be in different industries again. And and I think, like, you know, my knowledge, having the knowledge of manufacturing is less valuable to me now because I'm not in manufacturing anymore. And my knowledge in healthcare, not so much. And how to solve those problems, but knowing how to build those solutions is universally.
1: Right, and I think... Where you would see this is not so much switching industries, it would be switching companies uh, within the tech sector, and especially ones that rely on other languages. So, in in the example I gave earlier, if you worked for the company that my wife works for, you would now be learning C++ and Python, which you could write in Visual Studio. I believe they support that now, but no other companies on the face of this earth other than Microsoft, as a general statement, would use Visual Studio. As a matter of fact, they would look down on it and they would frown upon it. So yeah. you're using a very powerful IDE, but it's a huge crutch and it's actually creating, creating some sort of a disadvantage to you if you don't continue to learn how to do those things that it performs for you at some level, um, which is why I feel like, to me, the git argument doesn't really hold up because I'm learning the git commands. I don't use them 24 hours a day. I use SourceTree to automate some of that, but I still actively work on what's underneath the covers. So I could move those skills on to any kind of other company which uses Git. You know, and any and any company that uses Git either uses the command line and or the GUI, and they're not going to care. Um, in the case of Visual Studio, like I said, nobody else uses it other than Microsoft land. So if if that's all you know, that's going to become a problem when you get to some other company um even visual studio code is still a bit of a crutch so i mean just editing in a straight up text editor would be probably the ideal situation but that comes with its own hurdles as well but i agree with you i think um knowing the underlying everything i you i remember you telling me this you you i remember you giving me a shit about this a long long time ago back in nebraska when jquery was available and we were doing some talking about using ajax back in the day and i remember we us having a fairly deep argument about what's actually happening under the covers and you wanted to know exactly what was happening under jQuery's Ajax call and before you used it. And we just had a big argument about that. And and the same kind of rule applies, right? You want to know what the vanilla script under the covers of jQuery was. You didn't just want to borrow their library and say, well, whatever, I don't care what it does.
0: I think what I ultimately want is to be pragmatic about that approach because there can be a slippery slope there, right? I could spend so much time trying to understand the underlying thing that, A, it doesn't fucking matter at some point because the deadline was two weeks ago. Um, but the and the, <clears throat> the other part of it is, though, like just be finding a, a healthy balance of, I think what you see on the other side, the other extreme is developers latch on to shit just because Oh everybody's talking about it and it's quick and it's supposed to be really fast but they don't know what the fuck's going on right it's just like well when i look at the the you know the repository on git it has 5000 stars and you know 150 forks so it must be fucking good and i'm going to put it on this production system and i don't know like i just i just think that there's a middle ground which is understanding enough of what's going on to make an educated decision when it comes to using the framework, for example. And not always is jQuery the best tool for the job. Sometimes like vanilla JavaScript would be much more appropriate or faster or whatever. Um, maybe not as much anymore because it's been pretty well optimized. But but sometimes it's, it's not... The framework isn't always the right way to go, right?
1: Yep. And I think another thing that you just kind of touched on there was I feel like there's a... I don't know, an, uh, gl- an over overabundance of frameworks at this point. Um, not only in the front-end space, but effectively you're stacking frameworks on top of frameworks on top of frameworks. And to your point, nobody really knows what's happening on some of those underlying frameworks, and they just kind of get forgotten about. And I think there's a problem there, and that's why you see some of these companies coming up, and they'll say, well, I'm not going to rely on a framework. I'm going to write my own code. I'm going to know exactly what this code is doing it's going to be efficient because i wrote it to do this very specific thing but you also lose kind of the the group the herd mentality a little bit there you you don't get the 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 many many eyeballs on the solution so there's something to be lost there but there's something to be gained and and i don't know there's there's a happy medium in there somewhere and i i totally get what you're getting at i just i don't know exactly what that where that common ground uh, is
0: well, I had an idea when you were just saying that, when you were just making that statement, like, and I think I can concede a little bit because it's not about put putting vanilla JavaScript against a framework necessarily. I think that if you're a strong developer and you're experienced that you're going to know how vanilla JavaScript works really well, you're going to understand the how it works on a deeper level than just writing something to the console, right? I mean, you're going to have some pretty good understanding of the fundamentals of the language, some, you know, some Crockford shit, whatever, like, you know, like getting a little more advanced with it. And and then if you want to use the tool, I think you're probably more informed to know like, hey, this is good enough for what I need, right tool for the job. But I i am also able to know a little bit more. And I think maybe that's the the happy medium is that we're always learning. We're always trying to understand like what's going on. And maybe... Maybe this new project that has a short deadline for MVP isn't the time to learn it all, but that's why we need to have time outside of work or time after for side project or or other learning to supplement those that knowledge base.
1: I think that sums it up pretty nicely, and I think one other note that I think I would make here is I think we're dating ourselves with jQuery references because I don't think anybody uses that shit anymore. I think it's all <laughs> vanilla script, vanilla script, or uh, or some sort of framework like React or uh, Vue. TypeScript. Yep. TypeScript is another... I don't know if you, that wouldn't be your framework per se, but um, yeah. Basically, jQuery, I think, is, is, is frowned upon at this point. Because I think most of the things that jQuery was built to do, the vanilla script now can kind of do universally. It's been pretty well-adopted these days. So jQuery was kind of a way to meld all these uh, different standards or different ways of implementing the standards, and I think those have kind of went away now. So I think you're pretty safe usually uh, to go ahead and code in vanilla script.
0: Yeah, good point. Yeah, that wasn't exactly – I think we're going back to our roots a little bit there. Like I wasn't exactly advocating for that uh, (laughs) (laughs) – for those technologies, but I think it makes – It sets the stage for the argument anyway, and you can replace that with...
1: Whatever framework, right.
0: Right, exactly. I like it. Well, that was fun. I know that we weren't planning on going down that path, but once we started talking about old-school Photoshop and ways to do things with the new tools, it got me thinking about this kind of philosophical debate that we've had over the years about, what do you want to call it, what we just talked about, about getting to...
1: like you said, being close to the being close to the metal right that's what you kind of we're we're getting at, and you've kind of always been that way. you've always kind of wanted to know what's under the covers, I guess before you just threw something on top of it and said, "Oh I'll use that i mean you've you've kind of always been that way ever since I've known you, so you're always a curious guy,
0: yeah, yeah, and I like to argue too, so like i I have to try to like find counterpoints to whatever the fuck it is you're up to, just so we can have <laughs> something to talk about. Make it a little interesting.
1: Well, I'm I'm the non uh, what would be the word I'm the I'm the uh, non confrontational one. So
0: <laughs> I just have a lot of bark, not a lot of bite, man. So.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to the feedback here because we got one more piece of feedback here, and that is uh, Pat on Twitter wrote, uh, "Getting in the zone. Only one thing matters: being excited about the work. When I'm not excited, then I start to care about beverages, chairs, noisy coworkers, etc."
0: That's that is fucking Pat. Like, there's no question. Thank you, Pat, for putting that out there. There's like no question that that was a Pat Leahy answer at its best, right there. Like this, which I love it. It's a different perspective. Too, I can't disagree I with right. him at all. No, I don't disagree with him either. He's right.
1: When when I'm when I'm like hyper focused or really excited about something, like that's the only thing I want to deal with. I don't want to get up to get water deal with any of the other shit like yeah i'll have my tunes on and i'll be jamming and i hope nobody bothers me but yeah that's the only thing that i'm worried about and i want to like get that feature done because like once that thing's done that's going to be amazing right so that's the only thing i'm focused on
0: yeah yeah i think the only thing i would say to it is like my point of view on it wasn't like what do you need to get you motivated it was more like what do you do that's even subconscious like i come in and i like to have it dark in the room and i like to just get my Enya on that, whatever the fuck it is that <laughs> you want. I don't know. That's not me. I'm just saying, man. Nothing, not there's anything wrong with that.
1: You turn on your ambiance <laughs> lights there that you got and you turn on your, yeah, your Enya. Maybe, maybe you turn on your little, what the hell are those things? Like the little fog machines that put out some sort of like uh, potpourri smelling stuff, you know, whatever you got to right.
0: do. No, so, you know, I was, that was what I was trying to get at I was like, what are the things that just happened that really get you in your most comfortable place. But I understand and agree with that perspective too. I mean, it's kind of like growing up playing sports and you get a group of kids who have to have like the fanciest, coolest new shit and like a hundred dollar fucking shoe, all that stuff. And then you got somebody out there who doesn't have that luxury or doesn't even give a fuck. Like he's wearing, you know, he's, he's just wearing regular running shoes or something, and beating the shit out of people on the field, you know? So I think it's not necessarily that the tool is what's necessary to be good at the job or to get you that edge. But so I agree with that. It was more of a question of just like, how do you, I don't know, how do you get into your, how do you like to do your craft?
1: Right. Yep. And to each, yeah, to each their own. I think that's a good example. The, the, the player that doesn't have all the, the top gear or whatever that maybe is yeah. out there in a, Ragged t shirt and, you know, jean shorts or something and some bullshit, right? But you know, they're they're having fun just as much as the next guy, even though their gear is subpar, which I think that's a pretty good way to describe it. But yeah, it's just the how I code segment. Hashtag how I dev.
0: How I dev, yeah, hashtag how I dev. So that was cool to hear from him, uh, because I have one more piece of feedback that I got too. So that was somebody else reached out to me. Dave reached out to me about an hour ago, and he said "Ha." Dave says, "Joseph, the Satanist." Yeah, PLU is proud. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Joseph's going to be excited to hear that.
0: Spoken from a uh, former graduate. So.
1: Oh yeah, got an alum, huh? <clears throat> that's right. Yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, that that was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, that's great. I'm I'm happy to get all the feedback. That's really really cool that people are uh, reaching out and. And connecting on stuff that we're talking about. That makes it a lot more fun. Well, that about wraps up our feedback segment. Only 60 minutes later.
0: Well, to be fair, it was really a feedback with... I think it was a feedback with a segue into today's topic. That's fair. Now we're going to get into the news. In the news. What's in the news, Mike? Well, there is some cool shit happening in the news... I sounded really excited about that. There's some cool (laughs) shit in the news. I don't know. Oh, in the news. I haven't been reading the news. I don't know. Like, I got really amped up for CES, and then now it's just kind of like, yeah, what's going on? Ubers, Uber Eats is up. I read that today. That was interesting. Uber Eats is going to be the world's largest food delivery service. They just bought another company that makes their own food.
1: Wow. I didn't hear that. I did see that Uber hired a uh, their first ever director of diversity.
0: Oh, oh that's about, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It, that's it's so necessary. It's just like it, it's like one of the, my reaction is well, about fucking time, right? I mean, like this is this is just crazy. Yep. Um, there were there were some pieces coming out last week too and more details about just the the year that was not ubers and they were talking about some more of the behind the scenes stuff with travis and remember last year when he was getting into a a debate with the driver in downtown in the bay one night and the, the driver captured the video footage on his dash cam and it went viral and uh, they were talking about that and, and how they were going to try to handle it. Like they were all in a big meeting talking about their public image and how they needed to improve that. And as that was happening, they called Travis out of the meeting to play that video that was going viral at the same time. And like, he got on his hands and knees and was just like, Oh my God, like I'm bad. I got, we got to fix this. What are we going to fucking do? And they were going to offer him like a couple hundred grand or something, but it didn't matter. It, it already got out.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole with them, but yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, they're a huge company, obviously, but it's amazing how far, in terms of PR, that they've fallen in a short number of years. Because I, I definitely remember back in the days when, even before you started latching onto it, like I remember um, some buddies that I had in the area here that they would just sing the praises of Uber and thought it was the most amazing company in the world and. Their customer service was great, and their cars were all amazing and clean, and yada yada yada. And, and it's just crazy how how quickly that has uh, has all gone away.
0: Well, I'm gonna, I'll go on the record saying that I believe in Uber, and I think that having Dana come in is going to be a good thing. I know that one of our colleagues worked with him at Expedia and had sang his praises. Um, and so, I think. And the meeting that was happening before they pulled him out of the meeting, by the way, was. Uh, the board basically telling him that Uber's problem was him. So I think that a large part of the dysfunction, I mean, it's when you're an organization like that, any organization, it starts at the top, your leadership, it starts at the top. And he wasn't, he wasn't doing a good job. I I think a lot of their problems were absolutely tied to him. I think getting him out of there, they had to do it. I really think that there's some great people there. I think they're going to have a good turnaround. They're doing the right things. They'll be all right.
1: Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't think the company's dead by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they're a huge company. They're still making, still making strides and doing new projects that are cool. And Uber Eats obviously is is great. I use it pretty pretty regularly. Not regularly, but I mean, if I order that sort of thing, I definitely use them. Um, I think they're doing a lot of cool things. Like I said, it's just more of like if you thought of if you thought of back in the day the tech startup darlings that, that we would have in the industry. They were definitely one of them. But if you were to ask that question today, I don't think anybody on the earth would a, would answer that they're like some tech tech outstanding company that that people really love.
0: Oh, clearly not. I Well, they're very, I'll say they're convenient as fuck. I still use them all the time, um, I think. But yeah, like, do I love the brand? No, like it's, a, it's not a positive image right now and they've got a lot of cleanup to do. But I think they will. I think they're capable. They have a good team they're putting in place. And I think they'll turn it around. And a lot of the shenanigans that they were getting away with before was coming partly from the top two. Like That was a directive. And I think that that's gone. So it's going to look different.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and you know what's going to help you get those Uber rides is, uh, is unlimited data from Google Fi.
0: Well, I happen to be a Google Fi customer.
1: You? That Go was back. smooth, man. You got you to gotta, you gotta give me props on that. That was a smooth transition. <laughs>
0: That was a smooth. That was that was a smooth transition. That was like a let's get the fuck out of that one and then <laughs> this one. Get out of my uh, dreams and into my car. There you go. All right. Uh yeah no this is a good one this is cool because I'm a I'm a subscriber I'm a uh, I'm not only the president I'm a member. Uh project phi yeah they're trying to be competitive with some of the other guys because they had a pretty good deal in town ten dollars a gig no cap no contracts. But that's not such a great deal anymore compared to some of the unlimited family plans, right? With Verizon and T-Mobile and everybody pretty much now. So, yeah, this is an attempt, I think. It's an attempt. It's not going to affect me much. I don't use this much data. So, like, the deal is if you go over, what, six gigs a month on an individual plan, then they'll cap it at 60 bucks, and you can use as much data as you want beyond that so you're not going to pay more than 60 bucks if you're a family plan depends on how many users like for me i think the cap is 10 so i like our my wife and i would need to to burn through 10 gigs at 100 bucks before we'd be capped
1: which is still good yeah i feel like this would be a great thing for like you said families specifically especially when you have like young kids who just eat through data like crazy
0: yeah, when you're if you're doing a lot of video streaming on LTE, it doesn't take much these days. I am very diligent about getting on Wi-Fi network and I still rack up I can still burn through 2 or 3 gigs really without much effort.
1: Do you uh do you set yourself up on a VPN when you connect to Wi-Fi networks? No. Ooh. Tell me more. I'm well, where I where where understand. are you getting on your Wi-Fi? I want to come join and steal all your shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I probably should make that investment. I haven't done that yet. I've talked about it. I just haven't pulled the trigger. So, yeah, Starbucks, ATT t hotspots.
1: Yeah, I went ahead and pulled the trigger on that. I don't get on a ton of public Wi-Fi personally, but I did uh, go ahead and get a three-year membership to NordVPN.
0: NordVPN?
1: Yep. Uh, and you can use it on your phone and on your computers and then you know whatever you can use it all over the place it's very easy it's like one click it'll connect you to the most the closest uh, I guess data center or server that they have uh, and then all your stuff's encrypted so uh, definitely after the whole uh, debacle with the net neutrality business I was like yeah time to pull the trigger so
0: well I had more selfish motivations than security when I was in Germany and I wanted to watch the the Cubs in the World Series, then I hooked up my VPN and uh, was able to watch a little MLB. <laughs> Hypothetically.
1: Yeah, I don't know how well that would work. I did, just out of shits and giggles, I was like, yeah, let me try. I think I did try Germany. I think it was a German server, and I connected to it from here just to see how things went. And I ran a speed test, and it was pretty slow. So I don't know how well that would work, but it'd be interesting. I don't know. To, it'd be interesting I, to When it. I
0: did it from there to the States, I was getting hd on my phone it looked good
1: wow maybe hmm, interesting maybe it's a different connection point or path or whatever i don't know but yeah i digress
0: yeah but this is good i'm glad that google fi is stepping in because they've become less com- less attractive the last year or two they haven't changed their service enough everybody else is scrambling to they're, it's so competitive with the big guys yeah and, and google hasn't done a whole lot to pivot the phones are great that's new, but they haven't done a whole lot to the plan, so it's nice to see that change.
1: Yeah, I would say their competitive advantage is still the uh roaming uh what would it be? Worldwide roaming basically. Uh yes. T-Mobile kind of has a similar thing, similar product now as well. So the the competition is starting to come up in that area as well, but they still T-Mobile and them are still definitely the leaders in that area.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's slick internationally everywhere I've been. great i love it
1: all right well let's move on to the next bit of news and that is uh amazon hq2 we talked about this a little bit uh one other episode yes and they have now announced the top 20 finalists
0: both of my places are in the top 20 so i think i'm on to something
1: what do you mean both of your places
0: well i had a couple hot i had a couple picks that i thought were more likely. I I was already, before they narrowed the field down, I already had a few spots in mind oh, that they are going to go. Did you put some money down? Put some money. Put 100 down on uh, Austin and Toronto.
1: Yeah, so they announced the top 20, uh, and they are anywhere from Atlanta to Austin, Boston, Chicago. Columbus, Ohio is a weird one. Uh, Dallas, Denver, Indianapolis is kind of another oddball. Los Angeles, Miami, Montgomery County, Nashville, Newark, New York, Northern Virginia, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Raleigh, North Carolina, Toronto, and Washington.
0: I'm not surprised by most of those. Yeah, there's a few few outliers in there maybe, but I think they knew from the beginning anyway. They just wanted to see what kind of deal they were going to get.
1: I mean, I think they had a pretty short list at least. Um, It's interesting too because this is starting to grab some probably more headlines than it did. I think it was a big deal in the tech community when they even announced that this was going to be a thing. But I I think finally it's starting to make national news because even my mom uh, messaged me this morning or maybe it was yesterday that uh, wondering if I was concerned that Amazon was creating another headquarters somewhere else. So she's even got caught wind of it and she doesn't really follow tech news. So it's starting to become a more uh, pressing story.
0: Wow. Well, wow, it's a big... Of an investment of five billion dollars in development create up to 50,000 jobs and what's interesting somebody how oh, i didn't get the source on this damn it i need to find it but there was an interesting perspective on the 50,000 jobs things that you're not going to hire 50,000 ftes to work at their headquarters it's like it's they they count headcount for like investment right like oh yeah well the construction workers that are building our facilities and it's going to bring a lot to the economy, don't get me wrong, but it's just interesting sometimes how it's spun because like I don't know how many people end up working there. Sure. Well, although if you look at Seattle, it started out really small and now they have what, well, 100,000 people down here.
1: Right. And that and that's what I told my mother when she asked about this as I was like, "Well, in, in my book, it's a play for employees more than anything because, you know, Seattle's being saturated with technical companies. So, Uh, It's really hard for hard to attract tech talent here. Uh, There's just so many people vying for the talent. Uh, Not to say that Amazon's not a major player there; they obviously are, and they obviously attract top talent. But um, if they can do it in another one of these cities, you know, if you can go to Pittsburgh, you know, not known as probably the biggest tech town in the world, so you might be able to come up with some more employees there a little easier. Not pay them quite as much, you know, yada yada yada. So.
0: I wondered about that. They probably will have better, I'm sure it'll be closer to the, what am I trying to say? I'm sure the prices will be competitive of where they're at, but they're probably not going to be what they are on the West Coast. I don't know. On the other hand, I don't know how many people are going to move and take a huge cut either. I think some of these guys are used to making big bucks at the top end, and maybe they can demand that price in Newark or Nashville.
1: You think they would relocate some of their employees from Seattle? I mean if they asked for that, I I'm sure they would. But no, I'm
0: saying I'm saying that people in Silicon Valley for example would maybe be attracted to a, a smaller market like in Austin or in Nashville or something like that because but I don't know how much of a salary cut that they'd be willing to take.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Austin in particular I don't think they would take any cut. I think that's a pretty booming tech market. And I don't think the cost of living there is anything much different from here. Oh,
0: it's huge! Oh, the houses there are ridiculously cheap, man. It's it's because there's such a huge landmass. You can get a. It's, it's not quite like Midwest, but it's. Mm, I don't. I don't even know. Maybe it's closer on par to Denver. It's still on sale, though.
1: Are you sure about this?
0: Yeah, it's getting it's getting worse, but it's no, it's no Seattle, or San Francisco.
1: Cost of living, monthly rent for nine hundred square foot unfurnished uh, accommodation in expensive area eighteen hundred dollars. This just curious as to what their prices look like, because Austin, I've, everything I've heard about them is in it's is a, is a very expensive town.
0: Wow, that shocks me. I don't I don't think it's anything like we're used to. Maybe expensive for Texas.
1: Monthly rent for a four hundred and eighty foot uh, furnished studio in an expensive area is fourteen hundred and sixty seven dollars.
0: That is close. I swear that home prices there were still really affordable.
1: Yeah, that could be. I don't know. They don't list home prices, but yeah. Basic lunchtime menu including drink in the business district fourteen bucks. That's pretty comparable to here.
0: Like here's an example. Like this, I don't know all the neighborhoods there, but I just pulled up Zillow. Three bed two bath. 1,200 square foot home,
1: 285 Hmm. All right.
0: Four bed, two bath, 1,600 square foot, 405 I mean, shit, like a 1,600 square foot in Seattle, you're going to pay like 750 yep. to
1: $900. Yep.
0: So I don't know. I think I can find more expensive options on here, of course. They look really fucking nice, though, like what you can get for eight, yeah. I think it's on the way up. I don't think it's quite there, but I think it's on the way up. That's true. So I maybe understated it just a little bit, but it's not quite as bad.
1: Well, regardless, I guess to your point, get in now.
0: As soon as Amazon announces where they're going, shit's going to jump. So you know,
1: go buy a house in that city right away.
0: I was hoping they'd pick Omaha because I have some, I have a little real estate over there. Oh,
1: there you, there you go. A little speculative, speculative buying. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> I guess. You could if you had the means you could buy pick your top five cities and just buy some properties and see what
1: happens. <laughs> yeah, so they've uh narrowed this down from two hundred and thirty eight to twenty. So we'll see what happens, I guess, going forward. But wow. be a be interesting. an interesting show. I don't know. Let's see. Does it say in here? I don't think it says when they expect to pick.
0: No, I don't I don't believe there's a timeline set on that. Yeah.
1: That's been publicly announced yet. Well, we'll keep an eye on that.
0: Very exciting. On the on the topic of Amazon, can I tell you about the little excitement that happened today in Seattle? That I'm sure you knew about it.
1: Amazon Go. Ah, yeah. Yeah, the stores. The, the stores. Open
0: to the public. Cash, yearless stores.
1: Yeah, I read about these quite a long time ago uh, and was really interested in this. I know Aaron had uh, pretty early access to these things. Uh, before they were available to the public, and I haven't really gotten any feedback from her on them, but I think she has visited them once before. I mentioned that this was opening to Christina when I saw it on the Twitter, and uh, mentioned that we should go check it out. And then, you know, what next day or something like that, I saw the the tweet that you retweeted or something very similar, where there was <laughs> lines outside of the lineless store.
0: <laughs> the irony. People waiting around the block to go into the store with no line for the cashier. <laughs> yeah, it is exciting. Uh, I've I've heard some feedback. There was an article in the Chronicle this morning, and then I saw some, a CNBC article that I linked to in here. But yeah, they the reason is, is that it had been in, in beta for a long time. It, it went into beta like end of 2016, I think, and it was supposed to be open to the public in 2017. But there was some technological delays, as you can imagine. Uh, don't they've been somewhat tight-lipped about the technology but they have somewhat in the magnitude of like hundreds of cameras an 1800 square foot store and they have you know a hundred or more cameras maybe more they track you ski somebody described it really well it's like going into a, a bus terminal or not a bus terminal but into a subway you'd have turnstiles at the front door you gotta scan your Amazon Go app at the door and it'll open up for you so you can walk in and, uh, you know, they do have staff in the store walking around somebody at the beer section, checking IDs, but there's nobody there to check you out. You just pick stuff up and the cameras pick it up or there, there are also weight sensors built into the shelves. So if you try to pound, you know, somebody try to get sneaky and grab two yogurts and palm one of them, it'll still pick up that you took two and charge you for it.
1: Yeah, so the whole idea is scannerless uh, shopping. You just kind of throw it in your bag and walk out, right?
0: Grab and go. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's a cool concept. I th- I think it's neat. It's it's more interesting now that they have Whole Foods. So who knows where that'll go? I think that's a bigger problem to tackle when you got stores that of that magnitude. But it's it's kind of neat because that's my biggest complaint. So many times going into Home, you know, Home Depot or anywhere—it doesn't matter. Going to the store, and I just want to grab, especially if I'm in a hurry, I need to grab a couple things. And then, of course, there's two registers open and 30 people waiting to get out of there. It's like that shit's frustrating, and I think like this, this could be an interesting solution to that. Don't know how they're gonna scale it, but right now at a little convenience store level it's it's a neat idea that you can just go in and grab something and walk right out.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think this store is uh in here in Capitol Hill in Seattle. So one of these days I will try to get up there and uh I'll uh relay my experience once we once we've made it in and made it out successfully.
0: Check it out. Yeah, I'd love to hear your feedback on that. Maybe after it dies down a little bit after the
1: Yeah, I have to have to let some of those people uh Get out of the line first.
0: (laughs) Cool shit, though. Yeah. Love to check it out.
1: All right, and I'll uh, throw one last uh, news-related item here, and that is that Apple, in their infinite wisdom, has uh, decided that they will now give you a configuration, a setting, that uh, if you are feeling that you're being throttled because of the battery issue that's been reported all over the press, you can now – well, not now – but, in a future update, you will be able to disable the throttling, so, in other words, this is
0: fucking ridiculous
1: go on it's
0: It's a feature that you can disable the fuckery with your phone
1: <laughs> It is, and they don't they don't uh they don't recommend that you do it, but they're giving you the ability to do it
0: that's so nice it's a feature. that's what i said that's what I said when I saw it come out I said it's a feature. <laughs> You had posted it. It was you, I think, on Facebook. I think you're correct, yeah. Oh, fuck, dude. I saw that. I couldn't believe it. Uh, Look, I understand some of it. I understand that there's some natural bloat when you build new software releases, that the newer versions are going to be more... Well, they shouldn't always be this way, but, uh, but naturally they do get larger, especially incremental versions can get larger. Maybe major ones you can actually slim it down. You see that with different versions of... Windows. I don't know about some of the other mobile OSs, but yeah, the idea that they're they're going to tamper with that to keep it from crashing and then provide a release to give you the option to turn it off, the tampering.
1: Well, look, I think the interesting thing here will be people are going to turn it off, right? So yeah. the extent of Apple's announcement of that, or reasoning... As to why they did this is going to become very apparent people are going to be able to easily test that or see that that's happening so if if you turn it off and suddenly your phone's starting to reboot all the time then Bravo Apple you saved people from that happening but you didn't make it market that very well
0: well no you you or I will do it because we have our noses in that thing all the time and I, I also update my shit every time I can I'll even go beta sometimes to get early releases but talk about other people who don't care or don't, don't know or aren't as tech savvy. I know a lot of people I can guarantee I can count on one hand, how many times my mom updated her OS. You know what I mean? Like it, like she still has windows Vista on the desktop upstairs, you know, like, and does taxes once a year on it. Yeah. I just think there's a lot of people that don't even know and are having phone, slow, slow phone issues don't know that hey like you can get your battery fixed for 30 bucks to speed it up again or and or you can disable that functionality and maybe it'll be okay for you maybe you you will have a better experience if it's turned off
1: or perhaps you'll have even a worse experience i mean if apple's pr is to be to be believed then they will it'll be just rebooting on its own which is even worse so It it remains to be seen. It'll be interesting because clearly people will be out to test that as fast as they possibly can, and not just average people, but people that do benchmarks and stuff like that, and will push the hardware as hard as they can possibly push it and force it into that kind of a state. So it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, it will be very interesting to see. I don't like it. It smells fishy. smells a little fishy to me, Kyle.
1: Boy, I don't know. I don't know. Apple, man. Everybody loves them. Yeah.
0: I don't think they're as popular as they used to be. I heard a, the rumor mill, since it was kicking around, talking about the, they were going to possibly discontinue the X early. Like, not do a... Not do... Because they do, like, major releases every other, right? It's like the 6, 6X, 6S or whatever, right? They have the S version. Yep. It sounded like they were not going to do that with iPhone X. Is it iPhone 10?
1: Yeah, I heard that, too. I read that article, as well, or something like it, and... Then I kinda of read some of the big time Apple guys like Gruber wrote a big article but and I don't remember the exact details of it, but kind of push it pushed it aside like it wasn't a big deal because that they've done this before with other phones and blah 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 blah. So I don't I don't know. I don't know what to make of that.
0: I don't know either, we'll wait and see. I don't like that they cropped that top, but whatever. I'll get <laughs> off of my soapbox. I don't have enough time for my soapbox today.
1: I don't have enough time for your bullshit today.
0: That's right. You gotta edit all this shit. If you can stitch it in, also a shout out to our esteemed colleague in Denver who's been giving us a shout. Don has been listening to some episodes. I heard from him, too, in the feedback section. He was telling me that he listened to uh, several of the episodes now and is uh getting into it and is going to listen to some more. Excellent. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, We, a, we have a listener in Denver now. As well, we're not just in the northwest anymore, folks. We're starting to grow our territory. Oh no, territory. we're
1: uh we're worldwide, buddy. If you look at our uh, download map, we've got downloads all over the world.
0: Oh shit, I have, haven't looked at the stats yet. I gotta check that out. That's exciting.
1: That is exciting. Well, I guess that's a wrap for episode number twelve, buddy.
0: Episode twelve's in the books. Fucking bada boom,
1: bada boom. So hit us up with the uh, hashtag #HowIDev if you want to share what you do for your dev style how you what you drink what what your desk setup is what else what else are they sharing
0: i like that damn it why didn't i think of dev style that's fucking cool Hashtag dev style, dev style. I do that too or how i dev but that's i like that that's a good one yeah i think i was just curious to know i'm always looking i'll even do searches sometimes for new music cuz i do listen to music a lot but i don't like vocals in my music usually so I'm looking for different things I'll search for programmer playlists and shit like that so we'd like to hear about that I would I'd like to know
1: me too I'd like to hear from it Uh, if you have any questions or want us to talk about something hit us up at hashtag ask3c you can hit us up on twitter at coffeecodecast our email is coffeecodecast at gmail.com and the website is www.coffeecodecast.com And you can subscribe to us at SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes, and TuneIn Radio. Feel free to rate us, leave us a comment, share us, hit us up on social media. We love the feedback. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Podcast And, motherfucker, she did it.
1: Hey, good job, Alexa. I did it, too. It worked well. As, I think as long as you have tune-in radio, I think it'll do it.
0: Yeah, that's what it was. It was tune-in. It was your suggestion. I tried it out. I didn't want to get up off the couch, <laughs> and so I wanted to listen to the... You had sent me the last one, and I said, okay, well, yeah, let's check it out.
1: Love it. We're everywhere, man. We're, we're in multiple countries. We're on all kinds of platforms. Wow. Even in I shithole really countries.
0: That... Wow. Well, oh, God, man. I thought
1: I said no more soapbox, goddamn it, Kyle. <laughs> Not today. Well, we got a post show. You know, we can throw it in there. Shit.
0: Oh my god, man! I don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> fucking lunatic. Um, what were we talking about before that? Goddamn I lost my train of thought. I think we're well on our way to having a serious XM channel. That's why I was telling somebody about my big vision. Ooh you got to put your intentions out there, man, right? I think so. I'm not big into, like, the secret necessarily or any of that thing, but I think it is good just to make it stated.
1: I think it's good to have lofty goals. Yeah,
0: I'm being pretty lofty right now. Uh, you know, I'm dreaming big. But I was telling my friend, Will, that was here over the weekend how I thought it would be fun uh, to have a little radio show on SiriusXM, XM, little coffee codecast, kind of a daily, just going through the paper having people actually call in on phone lines and shit that'd be kind of fun
1: i just had an idea maybe we could put it out to the listeners and say hey give us a new name for the coffee code cast that makes more sense
0: i love that idea too that would be a really good yes listener engagement
1: right hey hashtag what's the hashtag
0: dev style no that was you <laughs> i do like that that was creative you're the creative one, for damn sure. I'm not gonna even try to throw in that. Uh, I would come up with something like we are the bullshit news sometimes tech show.com.org.biz <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. Succinct. I like it. Succinct.
0: Uh yeah.
1: That'd be that'd be great.
0: It would be nice to have some I think it's been good for us to get started, but now that it's starting to rock and roll, it's time to rethink it. Nothing's set in stone here.
1: I agree. I think if you have a if you have a good idea for us, hit us up on Twitter at Coffee Code Cast. We'll entertain it. Yeah.
0: Got a lot of people giving feedback and some clever ideas. I'd like to know what Pat thinks about. It. I'm sure Pat would have a good suggestion. It'd be funny, at least.
1: <laughs> hey, it could be comedic. I don't care.
0: Yeah, he would be. He ha- would have something funny to say about it. So I'd love to hear that.
1: Maybe we'll have to go yeah. after your namesake. It can be the, the Chippercast, Chippercat.
0: Yeah, I've, I don't know, man. I've I struggle with naming shit, and like that's where that's an area where I get hung up on the art, and not on the distribution. Like I would seriously have a a, a grand idea, like to create some content but then I would get hung up on the name for like three weeks and just be like, well, I can't find the perfect name. So I guess I'll just have to wait.
1: Well, name is important. I mean, it definitely, that's, (laughs) that's a pretty critical piece, but yeah, analysis paralysis is also a bad thing. So I, I get where you're coming from.
0: Yeah. But like, this is a good example that we didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. You had a clever idea, a nice tie into our past, which was, we would get together and do this kind of a thing once a week or every few weeks and so why not coffee code coffee and code is what it was so i think it was good now we're coming to realize maybe it's maybe there's other ideas out there that would be more suitable but we didn't waste time figuring that out we just said fuck it we're gonna roll with it let's do it that's how we roll buddy